for a spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster, Monster Kid, Kid Radio. Radio. Here your host, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classic and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher, or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Monster Kid Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodgson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. Classic Monsters. Modern Talk. And the head of Rondo Hatton, only on Monster, Monster Kid, Kid Radio. Well, hello, hello, and welcome a podcast, but a podcast with a different distinction. It's me, off the cuff, talking about everything that I love artistically. Usually, it will be segregated to literature, novels, books. And films, but not only that. It may be a time where I talk upon cultural things, most specifically within the art medium. Whether it's movie news, book news, culturally, what's going on. It's literally a podcast about a man on his own, staring at the four walls and just thinking, "What am I?" It's not a rot. It's an articulate warbling. Hey everyone, welcome back to Black Clock Audio Tales. I'm your host and editor, producer, D.B. Spitzer. Today we're going to be talking about Beowulf or Anglo-Saxon sonnets or something dealing with uh, Old English. So stay tuned uh, or check the show notes and find out specifically what we're going to be talking about. If you want to keep the show going, help support the show, help uh, help keep it on the air, uh, why not go to pgttcm.podbean.com and become a member of our patrons. Also, look out for upcoming projects. We always have something going on. Become a member of one of our cults, uh, the t-shirt cult, the sticker cult, the... Uh, I don't know. You know, hey... Um, also, you could support us by going to paypal.me slash pgttcm or just telling people about us or supporting us and being our friends on social media, Instagram, Black Clock Audio Tales, uh, People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos, Black Clock Audio Tales on Facebook. I'm on Twitter, but I don't do much with it occasionally. I do stuff, but hey, that's about it. So here we go with some Anglo-Saxon, Old English, talkity stuff. Introductory and Sonnets 1-10 to Introductory Tis a hard thing to judge the past aright, harder to judge the present, though it be before our eyes in stern reality. Nought of the beautiful, the ideal, the bright, halos the things that meet the common sight. To find the lovely in the walks of life, the music of humanity in strife, kindness in sternness, gentleness in might, may try the mind as much as to unfold the mouldering records of departed times. And more shall try the heart, too warm, too cold, to judge of present hopes and schemes and crimes. How changed will they appear throughout the gloom of coming years, our life seen from our tomb. 1. Tacitus says that the Gauls peopled Britain 
and the venerable Bede asserts that the first inhabitants came from Armorica. There are Danish traditions of expeditions from Jutland and the neighbouring coasts. The Welsh triads say that before the race of Cymru came to Britain, it had no people, but was occupied by bears, wolves, beavers and the oxen with the high prominence. Elks and wild boars were also numerous. Amid the solitudes of the Grampians or the heights of Snowdon and Cader Idris, the eagle still remains, the last of Britain's primeval denizens. The Beginning Man to our island came. But from what land were the first wanderers? Driven by adverse wind, and mourning for the homes they left behind, perchance they came. And on the silent strand they stood a lonely and deserted band, the startled eagle screaming left the shore from the thick forest looked the tusky boar while in the vale the stately elk reclined oblivion's stream hath swept all deeper trace they lived toiled died and on the fertile plain the rude descendant took his father's place and felt his wants and lived his life again saplings chance rooted in the mountain cleft Seeds that the winds of time bore there and left. 2. The Phoenicians in their commercial voyages colonised many of the islands and some of the coasts of the Aegean and Mediterranean seas. Inscriptions in their language have been found in Malta. They occupied Spain and founded Cadiz and procured tin and lead from the British Isles, a trade which they endeavoured studiously to conceal from the rest of the world. Some supposed that the religious system of the Druids was in part derived from the Phoenicians, and that they introduced some of the arts of civilised life into Britain cannot be doubted. Progress Progress is nature's stamp on man, the mark of his divine and his humanity. And dimly through the night of years we see Britain's first impulse onward, that strange bark making its way across the billows dark of unknown seas from far Phoenicia's shore and other treasure bears than eastern store. Thoughts that the heart shall feel, words that the ear shall hark, e'en as the tropic stream bears through the tide of icy seas the seed grains of its home, man hath his conscious schemes of wealth and pride, but his unconscious ones, where'er he roam, work through the outer, o'er all life there lies the soft deep colouring of the heavenly skies three the system of the druids began in britain and passed from thence into gaul none of their sacred mysteries were committed to writing although they used the greek character for common purposes they believed in the immortality of the soul and caesar says they taught many things concerning the stars and their motions the size of the world and its countries, the nature of things and the force and power of the immortal gods. They were divided into three classes, Druids, Bards and Vates. The Druids Man's heart could listen then as now and hear the voice of God that speaketh evermore, and he that hears must listen and adore. The softer tones might perish those of fear alone would strike upon the inward ear. The child in heart, rude sounds his bosom stirred. The harmonious undertones passed by unheard. 
he bent his knee, but could not give a tear. These different tones go sweeping by us now, and stern and gentle hearts hear each apart. One veils his face before the awful brow of a dread sovereign. One, with loving heart, looks to a father. What the soul can stir changes the creed, but makes the worshipper. 4. Tacitus says that Caesar did not conquer Britain, but only showed it to the Romans. It was Agricola who completed its conquest, and who brought into extensive use the arts and luxury of Rome. That the Britons at the time of Caesar's invasion were not the barbarians they are sometimes represented is evident. Cassivellaeum had war chariots when he opposed the Romans, and coined money was used by his successor, Cunobelin, whose coins with his name on them have been found, and also one with a bard and harp upon it. The Romans Dear to the Briton was his island home, and the rude freedom that his fathers gave. But Caesar's galleys float upon the wave, and Greek and Gaul have bowed their necks to Rome. Yet on the beach all crimsoned rolls the foam, ere on that shore the Roman dares to leap, or the fell eagle broods o'er Dover's steep, but no rude valour then could Britain save. Years passed to ages, and the conqueror brought luxurious arts. The forest disappeared, where Vates sacrificed, and druids taught, and stately shrines to stranger gods were reared, while for her slaughtered sons on Syria's plain, or Danube's banks, the mother wept in vain. 5. Little did the Roman philosopher, who contemptuously called Christianity the religion of an obscure sect, think that in a few ages its churches should occupy the place of all the idle temples of Europe. As little did its humble and suffering followers suppose how changed its peaceful and loving doctrines would become in the hands of priests and monarchs. Christianity Rome's clarion blast had thundered through the air, and died with scarce an echo, when there rose a tone so soft, that mid the din of foes it was unheeded. With the voice of prayer, the sighs that agony of woe declare, with lofty hymns of triumph and of trust, proclaiming spirits sovereign over dust, it came, earth's melodies to mingle with and share. All the pure utterance of ages past, the words of sages and the poet's song, it blended into music, best and last of all God's voices. As it floats along, stirring the listening heart to deeds of love, to hope for man, to higher life above. 6. In 1525, St. Daniel founded a college at Bangor, which was raised to a bishopric about 550. It was destroyed by the pagan Saxons, 1071, and the monks cruelly murdered. But in 1102 it was rebuilt by funds collected by a synod held at Westminster for reforming the church. King John, in 1212, took the then bishop prisoner, whilst officiating at the altar, but released him on receiving a large ransom. The remains of several Welsh princes lie in this cathedral, the tomb of Prince Owen Gruffrid is still in a perfect state beneath an arched recess. Christianity in Britain Oh, 
beautiful as light when down its streams, through cloudless ether was the truth when taught by the great master. But how soon it caught a tinge of earthly colouring. Grecian dreams, the eastern's slavish fear, the mystic gleams of light through darkness struggling in the soul that could not break an earlier creed's control, obscured though never quenched its heavenly beams. But purer far was that beclouded light than aught before e'er seen in Britain's isle. Oft the lone wanderer in the wintry night sought shelter in old Bangor's monkish pile, and by the wood-heaped fire then waning dim heard from the low-roofed church the Christian's hymn. 7. Britain, after its final abandonment by the Romans about the year 410, appears to have become divided into a number of small republics, answering to the Roman districts into which it had been divided. These engaging in contests with each other, a number of petty tyrants arose, for we find kings of Cornwall, Devonshire, Kent, Glastonbury, etc. Amid this incessant warfare and the incursions of the Picts, Scots and Saxons, many of the buildings erected by the Romans must have been destroyed. The corrupted civilization of Rome, grafted on the barbarism of Britain, was not likely to produce good or lasting results. Change At length they leave, those masters of the world, the northern island they so long have held. The forest rose again, their axes felled. Past the weed-covered fount, the streamlet purled in its old bed, and giant winter hurled as toys to his frost sons, the stones that spanned the Valor River. And spring's fairy wand gave flowers to wave where banners had unfurled. They left the slave's dull heart and toiling hand, but not the mind to prompt, the will to do. A hideous stupor brooded o'er the land, and storms alone, perchance, could health renew. Dark truth that fixes but a deeper blot on those who duty, nature, God, forgot. 8. It is probable that the Saxons had for centuries visited and settled in Britain before the date fixed as the time of arrival of Hengist, about 449. The Romans had an officer called the Count of the Saxon Coast, whose government extended from near the present site of Portsmouth to Wells in Norfolk. The coming of Hengist and his brother seems to have been accidental, as they had but three small vessels with them. Nennius says they were exiles. The Saxons, 1. The polished Roman left how slight a trace compared to those wild rovers of the deep, whose language still, whose very thought we keep. Rude thought with nothing of Italian grace, but wild and wondrous as its native place, the fjords and forests of the north, where winter's steeds the fierce winds hurry forth, and whirlpools boil and mountain torrents leap. All men are brothers, but as in one home features and minds may differ, so one race another does excel, like ocean foam, nations have melted, and their vacant place been filled by stronger minds or hardier frames, while others blend like drops and do but change their names. 9. The Saxons were an agricultural and pastoral people. They required land for their allots, 
forests, marshes and commons for their cattle. Nor can we reasonably imagine that such spoils as could yet be wrested from the degenerate inhabitants were despised by conquerors, whose principle it was that wealth was to be won at the spear's point. See Kemble's Saxons in England. The Saxons, too. And soon the polish and the splendour fled that Rome had brought. T'was of a southern birth, and would not root itself in northern earth. And from the druids uncouth Cromlech spread the ivy to the Roman shrine, and wed both to oblivion with its clasping rings. Another race, another sort of kings than those in Caesar's golden palace bred, are on the shore. The sea king's ocean steed bounds o'er the stormy wave. The Saxons come. In their own souls their destiny they read, and see in British vales their future home. By manly toil, by thought, by peace and strife, they made us England. Theirs was inborn life. End of part one.